0: What's going on, everybody? First off, thanks for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. So two nights ago, Aaron Judge hit his 62nd home run. And if you're a big baseball mark like I am, then you know that's going to cause a lot of controversy sitting at a table with your buddies. So I want to get into that. And do I believe that it's the single season home run record? Find out after this. You are Locked On Nationals. Your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And so, guys, like I said earlier, this debate right now is an ugly one because there's so many different people with so many different, or not really, there's so many different opinions. They all kind of have the same opinion on it. It's either one or the other. It's either Aaron judges, the single season home run King or he's not. And I can tell you right now, I have the list right in front of me. First off, Barry bonds, when he hit 73 home runs in 2001, now I was only two years old for that moment, or actually three years old at that time. So I'm not going to give my input on that. Then we have Mark McGuire sitting second with 70, Sammy Sosa hitting 66. Fourth, Mark McGuire again with 65. Number five again, Sammy Sosa with 64. And then number six, Sammy Sosa with number 63. And then we have Aaron Judge sitting there at number six or at, with 62 home runs, sitting in seventh place uh, for the single season all time leader for the home runs. And so this debate is kind of like, you know, Let's say you're sitting at a bar with your buddies and your guys saying, hey, who are you going to vote for in the 2024 presidential election? And everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Take it easy there, man. That's a sensitive subject. This is kind of a sensitive subject for baseball fans. This is kind of like our political debate where it gets toxic and it, it ruins friendships. And it just you get fired up over it because you believe in what you believe. This is just kind of what you grew up believing in. And it's kind of a generational gap, too, to where the older generation of of fans are like, well, if you use steroids, you're a cheater. And it's like, yeah, I get that point. Cheater? Yeah, I get it. But then there's also some people who are like, well, we know for a fact that there are others in the MLB Hall of Fame that have used steroids in the past and just have never tested positive for it. And that's a fact, you know, on record. Is it really a fact? No, but you know, that's true. You follow baseball. You know, that's true that there are people in the Hall of Fame. For example, David Ortiz, who did test positive for steroids and was elected into the Hall of Fame. And so with that being said, his records still stand. He made it to the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds didn't. Mark McGuire didn't. Sammy Sosa didn't. This isn't a Hall of Fame discussion here. This is just an example of where people disagree and kind of the boundaries that you step in when you make this argument for whichever way you swing on the pendulum. And so my opinion on this is just as simple as I know that there are people who have done steroids who are in the Hall of Fame, David Ortiz. He tested positive for steroids and to actually it came public, I believe, in 2009. To win, so here, let me let me take a step back. Actually, so in 2003, the I think more than a hundred MLB players had tested positive for steroids and like a kind of a it, it was supposed to be like a voluntary and confidential steroid situation to where they were testing everyone after all the Mike uh, Mark McGuire drama with the Barry Bonds drama, Sammy Sosa, everyone knows about the steroid era with that, with the MLB and what they had to deal with there. And so David Ortiz was amongst Alex Rodriguez, uh, Manny Ramirez and other stars who did test positive. And he was one of the few that were leaked out to the public to where like, yeah, he, he tested positive. And so I, I just think once that moment happened to where we let David Ortiz in the Hall of Fame, the cheater topic went out the window. You crumbled it up, you rolled down the window and you threw that paper out. And the reason why I say that is because you let the dam broke. It doesn't matter how small of a crack it is in the system, the dam's gonna break. And that dam is already broken at this point. I think that argument is thrown out the window. You can't take records away from people who are in the Hall of Fame for taking steroids, and you have others who aren't, who are much better players. Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez maybe? That's up to you. That's a different debate for a different day. And so that's why I take this back. And I want to say that Judge is the home run leader for American League history. You know, that's just a fact at this point. He has 62. Second was Roger Maris, 61, a fellow New York Yankee. And so I I bring that in to say that you can't make this argument anymore that Aaron Judge is the home run king for a single season across the MLB. I'm just not going to say that. I'm not going to go to that level because. Like I said, the dam's already broke. You can't fix something that's already broken. And that system is broken. That argument is completely broken since you let those people in to the Hall of Fame. And I'm just not going to sit here and, you know, okay, I'll congratulate him, obviously. What he accomplished is amazing. I watched every moment of it. I wanted to see every single at-bat. I was one of those tuned in to ESPN every night for it. I don't care if you're skipping out on college football. I want to see this. I want to see history. 62 is an amazing number, an amazing feat, no matter which way you look at it from. If you think it it was going to be the single season home run record or not, 62 home runs is only something we've seen six times in our lives before this moment. Or not even in my life. I've only seen it, I mean, what? I mean, if you're going to guess Barry Bonds when I was three years old, Sammy Sosa as well. Sure, I guess, if you want to do that, but I'm not going to count that. This is the first time I've ever seen anything like this. And so it's just kind of an interesting debate to where I know this is going to make so many people upset, and especially a lot of the older fans, but it's an argument that is it's never going to end, and it's something that's, honestly, I like it in a way because I just feel so strongly about it and I know for a fact the other person on the table that I'm arguing about this with, I'm never going to change their mind. And so it's a dead end argument, but it's so much fun to make. I couldn't tell you why. I just think that it's the fact that we're so down in our ways that we believe in what we believe so deeply and so heavily that we just don't want to hear the other way about it. But we'll argue for our point all day. We're not going to listen to the other person on the other side because. We already know what we want, you know? And so, and even look at it from other sports leagues as well, how people have quote unquote cheated and taken steroids for for football. They haven't banned them from the Hall of Fame. They get a suspension. Yeah, they got a suspension. They did their time and they moved on from it. And those people who test positive for it, they're going to continue to be tested for it. If you do it a second time, then Okay. Let's have a talk. It's not great. But to kick someone out of the Hall of Fame for it and to take away someone's record for it, I think is nuts. And so that's kind of what I'm fighting here for to where Barry Bonds deserves that record. Did he get it fair and square? No, I'm not going to say he got it fair and square, I guess. Because I know if I were to say that, we would say, oh, he took steroids. And yeah, I know he did. But steroids isn't some magic pill that you take to where you just can hit a home run whenever you want. Yeah, it makes you stronger. It makes you more durable, but that's, I I don't know. Maybe I came from the generation to where if you aren't cheating, you aren't trying. And that's just the way that we look at it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying if you aren't cheating, you aren't trying. Because there are people out there who haven't cheated, like Aaron Judge, who's amazing. He hit 62 home runs in a day where pitching is better than it's ever been. Hitting has kind of been down, but home runs have been up in a way. But then again, pitching has taken over the sport, and it's been incredible to watch. If you're a pitching guy like me to where you want to see a pitching duel every now and then. I love offense. I love hitting. I love home runs. Who doesn't? But I also, I love the game so much, and I appreciate a great pitching performance. We're Nats fans, after all. We watched Max Scherzer. We watched Steven Strasburg, Gio Gonzalez back in the day, Patrick Corbin in 2019. Jordan Zimmerman throwing a no-hitter. Name it, we've seen it. We love pitching here in D.C. We've been spoiled by a lot of great starting pitchers over the years. But in this era, nonetheless, it's impressive what Judge did. And no one should take anything away from him. What he did was more impressive than a lot of things that people have over-talked about. But this is not one of them. He's done it, like I said, in an era to where it's tough to do. It's going to be even tougher to do it in 10 years down the road. And it's only going to get tougher from here, most likely. Unless, you know, you start taking feet off the outfield walls and bringing the fences in. But I don't really see that happening at this point. I think we have a fair ground of where we are between pitching and hitting. I think they're both great in their own ways. So I just think it's an argument that's an interesting one. And I know there's Nats fans out there probably covering years, be like, I can't believe this guy is saying it. I can't believe it, but I don't know. It's just the way I believe it. And Barry Bonds will always be the single season home run record leader in my mind. Now, Aaron Judge is the American League record. Awesome. That's awesome. It was fun to watch. Uh, seeing him down in the second half, it, it, As a Nats fan, we didn't really have too much to watch, so it was kind of easy to turn over to MLB Network to see Aaron Judge step up to the plate and try to smack one over the wall. It was something that was a ton of fun, and I I really hope we get something down the stretch in the next couple years, something similar to this, to where we can celebrate it and have fun with it and have all sorts of debates about it. But you know what? Something I probably should have done was make a bet on Aaron Judge hitting a home run. And you know what I should have done? I should have hit up my friends at betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team, matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. So tonight, Thursday Night Football, I'm going to check out some of the different parlays that they have set up for Thursday Night Football to see what type of money can I make tonight. How can I get some extra money in the pockets? But as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering info with live betting and up to minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And so, Now we'll make a transition in some Nationals baseball after we got the steroid and home run discussion out of the way to where either you hate me or you're loving me right now. That's fine. Let's let's find some middle ground here, and we can all agree that the 2022 season. Oh, oh, the 2022 season is finally over. The most losses in franchise history from the Nationals – coming in 2022. You traded away Josh Bell. You traded away Juan Soto. You basically sold everyone for the future. And so, yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow to get to see Juan Soto and Josh Bell, of course, Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, name that player, Bryce Harper, all these guys playing in the postseason, which will be tough to watch because, you know, Let's just say there was a year called 2018. Anthony Rendon, he's not in the postseason, but let's say there was a year, 2018, we had all these guys, all of them, and all of their amazing talents and ways to contribute to this team were on the same team, and we didn't make the playoffs. Oh, that stings to hear. That really does. And especially when you see him now with Bryce Harper when he left for the Phillies. That was a tough pill to swallow because, you know, they're kind of our rival. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I hate Philadelphia sports. I've made that known on this pod. Like, it's just, it's personal for me. It, it MJ style, it's very personal to me. And the reason why that is, opening day, I believe the year was 2009 or 2010, when I was about 12 or 13 years old. I was sitting up in the scoreboard pavilion there, uh, which I believe is now called the Bud Light Terrace. Um, and so up there, it gets a little rowdier, you know, there, there's a live bar there to where there's a lot of seating tables. It's kind of a younger crowd, but it's also for the people who are, you know, want to enjoy the game and maybe watch some other games on the TV there and, uh, really hammer beers because <laughs> that's kind of what that area is for. And so as a little kid, I, I, I was sitting behind a bunch of these Phillies fans and then all of a sudden hell breaks loose and there are. Punches being thrown everywhere, and it was two Phillies fans who were fighting each other, not even a Nats fan. And so, at that moment, I've been scared as hell from all of these Phillies fans and whatever the hell they could do. I-, I didn't like them as a kid, you didn't like them. We've all probably had a similar moment to this, to where you're like, Yeah, Phillies fans stink, I don't want to see them do well, they don't want to see us do well, they don't want to see anyone in the NL East do well. And I I agree with them on that. I don't want to see anyone do well in the NL East, except it's the Nets. Obviously, it's how fandom works. You root for your team and the teams in your division you're going to root against. And so I say that to just kind of say, wow, it's just still amazing to me how far this team has fallen since 2019. It's a stressful one to watch. This is something I'm going to get into more and more in the offseason to how we got to this point and why we're still at this point, you know. It's going to take a while, if we're going to be honest. It's going to take a little while to be back in the postseason. And so as we sit here on this day, on October 6th, season's over at this point. We're heading into the offseason. And I look back to the points to where Mike Rizzo was saying, I think this is going to be more of a reboot rather than a rebuild. Which is like, yeah, you know, what's the difference? Like a lot of people are like, you know, what what does that mean? Well, a reboot kind of is just basically a shorter version of a rebuild. And if you look at it this way, we have we finished the league the year with the worst record in baseball by far. I mean, the team had showed no help, no hope. The pitching situation was awful. The bullpen did step up in some ways where I didn't really expect it to. We had some guys who performed well, like our pitcher of the year, Rosmo Ramirez, which was, who would have guessed that? You know, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's all good. Rosmo Ramirez, pitcher of the year in 2022. That's just the way we are, you know. It was not It was kind of a slim pick in Zier. Like I said, who are you going to give it to? Him or Kyle Finnegan? I guess Ramirez had better stats. It's fine. Everything's fine. But these are things that we're going to have to work on moving forward and to get us back in the postseason. And, you know, I was talking to a buddy yesterday, and, you know, he was asking me, like, wow, like, it's – honestly, it's kind of unbelievable to where we are right now with just how bad we are and how much we've fallen – Ever since we were climbing the mountaintop in 2019 to host the World Series trophy, have the parade around Independence Avenue in DC, downtown. So I say that, and it's just, it's unbelievable. I even, I'm just sitting back in my chair right now to kind of put words together on how we've gotten to this point. You know, we say in 2018, after 2018, it's like, okay, well, we're probably not going to sign Harper, but, hey, we have Juan Soto we're going to pay now. Trey Turner, Anthony Rendon's going to be a free agent in 19. We're going to pay those guys, Steven Strasburg. So then Anthony Rendon walks. We re-sign Steven Strasburg. I'm not going to say anything more on that. And then 2020 or 2021 comes, trade away Trey Turner, and then you trade away Max Scherzer. And then now we're here. 2022, you trade away Juan Soto, trade away Josh Bell. Then all of a sudden, you look at this team from 2019, and it's just kind of like, huh? we got no one. Oh, we got Victor Robles. Thank God. We got Victor Robles. We got him. We got Victor. Come on, guys. We got Victor Robles. He's still on the team. We're good. We still have Victor Robles in it. Don't you forget Patrick Corbin as well. We still have Patrick Corbin, and he's going to be in the 2023 rotation like I was talking about yesterday. So Mike has already announced that. I mean, that came as a shock to everyone, really, that the fact – it's not even the fact that he's going to be in the rotation. It's just the fact that in October of 2022, you're going to announce that someone's going to be in your starting rotation who's past the hump of 30 years old in the last few years of a big contract and I I guess I just answered it there as to why he's going to be in the rotation I guess as to why that it was a no-brainer for this organization but you know that's just where we are at this point we're kind of they're never going to admit it publicly but this organization's in full tank mode it's been in full tank mode forever as well not forever but it's been in tank mode for about a year and a half now. Once you traded away Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, I mean, there's just no chance at us competing with the the roster that we had right now. But obviously, with that being said, we got a lot of young pieces back in returns in these trades that will be part of the championship team maybe in 2025 or 2026 or who knows, maybe even later. Maybe we don't trade them. Eh, Please don't, Mike Rizzo. Don't trade CJ Abrams. But it's just one of those things to where, yeah, like this is the price you pay sometimes when you win a World Series with, let's be honest, it was kind of a pieced together roster to where that's not going to happen 10 times out of 10, you know? That season that we had with all the bets that we had, with the signing of Struble, Cabrera in the middle of the year after he was DFA'd by the Rangers, like, yeah, he, he came up and he balled for us. And he played a big part in that World Series scene. Like piecing together all those veterans with Howie Kendrick, Kurt Suzuki, Jan Gomes. That's not going to happen. And that's not something that you should get used to because we're not the Braves last year to where they acquired all this talent to where they have all this young talent specifically that they developed in their market that they have traded for, that they have kind of groomed to, be in the position that they are today you know we had that year we had that window starting in 2012 to where we were that team but we just never really took full advantage of it the way that the Braves look to be doing as we speak right now going into the postseason they have one of the best rosters when you look up to down from first baseman to the closing pitcher they have a good team And it's, honestly, I look back on it to our 2012 team. I think this Braves roster and the way it's constructed is much better than we are. Even then, of course, this is without even mentioning the Dodgers who are just the cream of the crop when it comes to this, to developing talent of their own. And then even the Mets, they've kind of bought their way into competition and be competitive. But then again, I tip my cap to them. They've got guys that... They've developed on their own and kind of like, you know, trading for Edwin Diaz back in the day. And that's paid off tremendously for them. There's nothing more important than to have a shutdown closer in the postseason. When you're in the ninth inning of game seven, you're up by one run. The season's on the line. The trophy's on the line. And you have Edwin Diaz closing the door. We had Daniel Hudson. Daniel Hudson was an awesome half-season trade that Mike Rizzo kind of pulled out of nowhere. And everyone was like, who is this guy? Well, that guy that we traded for ended up closing in the World Series and was kind of a postseason hero in a sense to where he was that missing piece of the bullpen to where it really molded this group and kind of put them in a complete position to prosper and eventually win the World Series. So this season, to kind of put a bow on this subject and the season in general, it's, it's, it's an ugly one. We all know that. But this season is necessary to get to where we want to be. You have to walk before you can run. You have to learn to walk before you can run, really. And so with that being said, I say that to where you're going to have to have bad years to where you kind of blow up and lose 100 games, 100 plus games. Look at the Orioles. They lost 100 games forever. Now look at them now. They haven't spent any money. But they're still in postseason contention really up until the end of it. And that was a team to where they're young and they're going to be amazing, even if they just spend a little bit on another guy, another starting pitcher. Who knows what they do in the outfield? They still got guys coming up. And so that's going to be the way that we look at it going forward. I don't think we'll be as long as the rebuild as the Orioles were or maybe that I mean, the the Mariners had multiple different rebuilds, and they just had to rip it all apart multiple times. It seems like they finally got the equation right and they're in the postseason. So that'll be a fun team to watch. And I kind of like the new blood in this postseason. Even with the Phillies, you know, they haven't been in the postseason since 2011. As long as they don't win the World Series, I'm perfectly fine with them getting in the postseason to lose. Uh, Same with the Braves, same with the Mets. Just don't win it and then I'll be fine. That's just me being selfish, though, and I understand that. But, all right, now time to put a bow on this. I've kind of rambled on for too long at this point. You know, game 162 was yesterday, and it just wasn't a fun one. No one really enjoyed this season, but we did find joy in watching some of the younger guys and really kind of see what they can do moving forward and what they're going to be able to do and provide us in the future like cj abrams i think kyle finnegan showed a lot this year um key bear ruiz josiah gray is going to be a great middle of the rotation guy i believe one day um and so yeah 2022 everyone throw it out the window just throw it out the window nothing else matters at this point so thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen today. Now make your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. So guys, over the next week or so, I'm going to start getting some player breakdowns. Um, I'm going to kind of break them up into tiers. Maybe I'll have like CJ Abrams will get his own show, I believe. And, uh, Josiah Gray, Key Wee, some of the other main pieces that I think I could create 25 to 30 minute shows out of, um, because there's a lot of good to point out with them. But then also there's a lot of not so great to point out. And I'm going to take a look at a lot of the minor leagues as well, get into their season and kind of some of the prospects that we should be expecting moving forward in 2023. And maybe some guys that could crack the opening day lineup who are close to doing it at the end of 2022. And so, all right, guys, I'll talk to you soon. And thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the day.